Welcome to the Hoops for Jags podcast. Uh, it's been an interesting few days for the Jaguars. Uh, I'm here with Justin Barney, and we're going to try and get you caught up and react to a few things that are even happening today. What a wild 24 hours. It, it's, oh goodness, a, a disappointing 24 hours is what it has to be. I, I think let's, let's start with the news of the day. C.J. Henderson, no longer a Jacksonville Jaguar this morning. The team traded him to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a third round pick and... Dan Arnold, who we'll talk a little bit more about later, but I think the first thing that we kind of almost have to talk and we can't skip past is this is just another first-round pick, and not just a first-round pick, a top-ten pick that's Ninth out overall the door. Pick. I, it's I, just, when you think of Jacksonville, I think the in the NFL, I think you talk about their misses, their terrible drafting. I mean, Leonard Fournette at four. I mean, it, they just list goes on and on and on, and this just gives the naysayers, and rightfully so, more ammunition. I mean, C.J. Henderson, the ninth overall pick in the draft, he never seemed to fit here, never seemed to click, and he's on his way out of, out of town after just 10 games. 10 games for the Jaguars. Yeah, you know, there, there are some things and some dealings with C.J. behind closed doors that uh, – Definitely led to this pick. Uh, today, we talked to Shaquille Griffin and Rayshon Jenkins, and Shaq talked a little bit of, about Tyson. He was talking up Tyson and his confidence and how he can play in and play out. And I just kind of kept looking around and said, he's kind of talking about CJ there. CJ was a guy with a very fragile uh, mental makeup on the football field. You could see it from him at times. He'd give up a catch and his head would drop and, and things like that. And that's something you can't have as a corner. I mean, you've had guys like Deion Sanders and top corners, they all talk about needing to have that short memory. Uh, you can't think about those big plays. you got to bounce back and, and, and always play at a high level. Um, I know Urban Meyer and Trent Bulky are getting a lot of grief for getting rid of C.J. Henderson and getting exchange, a guy that they could have signed in free agency in a third-round pick. But really, this, this one isn't on them. This wasn't their draft pick. This is a guy that they inherited, um, a top-ten pick that – I've gotten the feeling for a long time that I don't think Urban would have used that pick on. He would have picked somebody else just for the sheer uh, kind of player that he likes. Um, But, you know, I understand why Jaguars fans are frustrated. You can't keep missing on first-round picks. If you're going to miss on a first-round pick at this point, uh, you almost feel like the Jaguars should just adopt the Rams draft strategy. Just trade all your first-round picks and and get other guys. Yeah, and CJ was just not a guy who ever really fit. I mean, I I think there are things, as you alluded to, behind the scenes with CJ, maybe some uh, mental health issues, um, his personality. Um, Even from the moment he was drafted, it just seemed like – he wasn't conditioned for Jacksonville, wasn't all in. And that's, you know, people can, professional athletes can have that mentality um, if they go out and perform on the field. But I think with CJ, it was a little bit more than uh, than we know right now. And, um, you know, Urban mentioned Monday, today, that a, ch- a fresh start would be good, yeah. you know, but after 10 games. And, you know, again, if this was a, a one-off, if this was a bad Jag- Jaguars draft last year under Dave and, and Doug, I think the fan base could – um, you know, stomach that a little bit easier, but this is a pattern, you know, a pattern of history. Um, and, and going back, um, the, the last 10 first round draft picks where Jacksonville's drafted inside the top 10, let's start in 2011. Um, got a, got a, just, I mean, this list of guys awesome. goes on. And this is under three different regimes, too. Blaine Gabbert, 10th overall in 2011. Justin Blackman, 5th overall in 2012. Luke Jokel, 
This is now transitioning to a different regime uh, in, uh, in Dave Caldwell. This is his first pick, Luke Jokel. He played four years in town and uh, was not re-signed. Blake Bortles, um, he was another guy that, uh, that popped in there. Um, num- number three overall pick, he was, uh, he was cut after that. Uh, he had a great season, took an AFC championship game, could not sustain that. Uh, Dante Fowler came after Blake. He was number three in 2015. Best pick of all, Jalen Ramsey, fifth in 2016. You know, and they shipped him out for a couple first-round picks, and those two first-round picks, uh, the return on investment there has been pitiful. Leonard Fournette, fourth overall in 2017. He was cut. Josh Allen still with the team, hanging our hats on him as a defensive savior. In 2020, C.J. Henderson was ninth overall in 21. We have Trevor Lawrence. So two of those guys are still with the team. Uh, and, the, and the one time they didn't pick in the top ten, in that uh, of their own draft picks uh, making was in 2018, and that was Taven Bryan, and we all know how he has not panned out. So different regimes, different eras, a lot of misses in those guys since 2011. Yeah, and the only guy that, that was left off that list that was outside the top ten was Caleb on Chason, who uh, they got in a, that draft pick in a trade, and it ain't like Chason's been very impactful in his yes. time here in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, that's the one thing that I know fans are like, Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, we're going to win right now. All they do is win. They're going to turn this franchise around. And I think Urban had a little bit of that approach to it, too, uh, that, you know, coaching is going to be able to make the difference for some of these guys. But then you get here, he looks at it and says, oh, some of these guys just were bad picks at that level. Um, This team is missing some of the talent that they need, you know, uh, it's not all about the coaches. Uh, you know, it's not X's and O's. It's Jimmy's and Joe's. Uh, you got to have the guys that can go out there and do what they need to do and do it at a high level. And they don't have it. And that's why they're yeah. being forced to even try and make some of these moves. Like, you'd like to be in a position where you can look at your roster say, all right, well, we can handle a couple of guys that need a little extra catering to. But this isn't a roster like that. These coaches have their hands full with the guys that have to play. Um, so they don't have the, the needed time or attention to spend with a guy like CJ who needs to be handled a different kind of way and helped along to to really be able to play at a high level. So uh, this opens up playing time for Tyson Campbell, who they are extremely high on. I know fans are like... We haven't seen it yet, but maybe, you know, again, this is... It's so... You mentioned it. You know, people expected that. And I think, you know, Urban, Trevor, all the excitement of the offseason, mm-hmm. you know, everybody expected an instant turnaround and... This was a 1-15 in 15 team a year ago. Yep. This is not add Trevor Lawrence and this team is going to the playoffs. And I think, you know, everybody was guilty and, and bought into that. And through three, three weeks of the season, it's been a lot more of the same. But I am still of the opinion that things are going to get turned around. You've got your franchise quarterback. And, you know, Jacksonville is weeding out the locker room of guys who don't fit what Urban and Trent want to do. And I think C.J. was one of those guys. I think he needed um, that delicate handling. And um, we saw that during the scrimmage at the stadium earlier in the season. And, and C.J. Uh, did not show up for that, was was not uh, involved in that scrimmage. And that kind of started the trade talks. And that's something maybe a little bit um, a little bit off. Maybe he was not in the, the Jaguars' good graces. Played well in the preseason. Um, but just has not been able to cut it, and he goes out today, and he's going to be playing for the Panthers. I, You know, it's it's just so funny. What kind of guy needs a fresh start? I mean, he hadn't even been in Jacksonville to unpack his apartment yet. No, the the top moment of the C.J. Henderson time here in Jacksonville was 
last year when he's he was tweeting that his, his one of his goals was to be a Publix bagger. And we never, I, I never got, I wanted to ask him about that. I just wanted to talk to him. I thought it was just a joke and, and have fun with it. We only talked to the media once in his entire time here in Jacksonville. It was just never available for interviews. So we really never got a chance to know CJ very well um, just because he, he wasn't available. I mean, last year was a, a little bit of a different season uh, with COVID and everything. And then this year, obviously, with some of the, the off-the-field issues, um, he, he wasn't uh, available for media. So he never really got a chance to answer some of those questions. We'll see if he um, how he does in Carolina. Uh, wish him the best there. Obviously, the Panthers have a need at corner because they just lost their first-round pick from this year, Jace Horn to an injury so we'll see if CJ can step in for them and uh hopefully get things trending on the right path on the right path um the guy that's coming here obviously a third round pick I think a third round pick will, will be helpful as they try and rebuild this roster cheap help a decent draft pick for a guy that um was slowly um yeah, becoming some, known around the league yeah. for some issues at some point I think you know these draft picks are nice you know we got two from the the Ramsey trade but you know there's two players who Came here as part of the Ramsey trade. Caleb on Chasen, we, we've seen what he has done and not done in his time here. You got a hit. And Travis Etienne, who is on the shelf, and he may wind up being a great player, but so far you give up Jalen Ramsey, who was out of, on his way out of town anyway. He needed to go. But you get that back on that investment. Um, and then your own picks, you've got obviously Trevor Lawrence was, was a great when they earned that one. Um, but C.J. Henderson, you know, he, he never panned out. But what you get back in the return, some of these draft picks have got to hit. And if it was an occasional draft miss for Jacksonville, I think fans would be a little bit more forgiving. Um, but anytime you, you whiff on a top 10 pick, is just almost unforgivable. That player needs to be a part of your team for quite some time. Right. And Jacksonville has had far too many of these. I mean, more, far more misses in their 27 years drafting than, uh, than hits and haven't been particularly good in free agency either. And when you combine those two, you've got a recipe for what we've seen here this last probably 12 years. Yeah, the draft is the best way to infuse your roster with talent. Now, the big thing I want to push for patience is because this was not an Urban Meyer, Trent Bulky pick. Now, Bulky was in the room, but I mean, ultimately, uh, the, the thing I say is if Bulky said, no, I don't think C.J. Henderson was a good fit. Does Dave Caldwell really care what Trent Bulky has to say? No, no. they're going to make the pick that they believe was best. At that time, they thought C.J. Henderson was the best player. So uh, we have to we can't hold Urban Meyer and Trent Bulky 100 percent responsible for that pick. So uh, we'll have to see what happens with the guys that they selected uh, early returns. I mean. Uh, we, we all expect Trevor Lawrence to be the guy. We don't know what Travis Etienne is because of the injury, which is a, a question mark of should you pick a running back in the first round. That's a whole other discussion. Uh, Walker Little, not great early returns on him he, since he hasn't been active um, with uh, obviously a franchise tag going to Cam Robinson, who's starting at left tackle. And then you got Andre Sisco, who's behind them. Sisco uh, is sitting on the bench behind Andrew Wingard, who was originally an undrafted free agent. Now, Wingard did get the interception on Sunday yeah. and has been playing pretty well. So, I mean, there's something to be said about that. And you got Tyson Campbell, who was the the rookie that's in the starting lineup on defense, uh, who can't seem to locate the ball in the air. So uh, we'll, we'll have to give them a couple Jury of years. Jury yeah, still out. Jury's still out on this. But they, they do have high expectations for their draft class, and we'll see if this all pans out for – for Urban Meyer and Co. Um, you know, you mentioned last time on on the podcast last week that 
you know, you thought this year was going to be a feeling out year where they they bring in guys, they see what who you know uh, holdovers can do. They've got their draft picks, um, and you thought this was going to be a kind of di- you know dip your foot and toe in the water and see how this goes as far as this year's guys and next year's team is going to look completely different. I totally agree with that. As far as that's what they're doing now, they're weeding out these um, these guys. I mean, we saw it years ago with Yannick and Jalen, those guys leaving out of town and kind of remaking your roster. And they're doing that here with um, some of these guys. And, uh, you know, Henderson going out, not a Meyer guy, not a bulky guy. I don't think bulky last year was his first season at Jacksonville. And Dave still had the, the call there. He had the, the final say. He was running the show. Um, so I don't think that was a, a Meyer bulky decision. I think Meyer and bulky right now are in charge of cleaning up the mess of their predecessors. And right. man, it was a huge, huge mess in the kitchen. And, and you know, uh, the one thing that you've seen, and the, this uh, this staff has not brought in a ton of players. And I know that's been frustrating for fans. It's been frustrating for us watching. Like you have all this money, go out, spend it, make the roster better. But uh, the the guys that they've brought in all have had one thing in common, leadership characteristics. Even Dan Arnold today, Urban Meyer said he wanted him in the offseason, and one of the things that really sold them on wanting to do this trade and including Dan Arnold in it is that he has been a leader in the locker room for Carolina, and Carolina didn't want to part with that leadership because he's even on the leadership committee, and he just signed with them in the offseason. So, I mean, the guys that they've brought in are all trying to set those foundation pieces of this is an environment where we expect to win, we're going to be positive, we're going to show up, we're going to work hard, and we're going to do what needs to be done. And that's something that hasn't been in the locker room in Jacksonville for a long time. I mean, Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone were tasked with cleaning up the locker room because, I mean, Jalen Ramsey's gone on podcasts and and talked about how the the locker room essentially was revolting against the front office and was doing whatever they wanted to do. And when they had freedom, they didn't know how to take advantage of it. Then when they got strict guys, they were just trying to do whatever they wanted to do anyway. So they didn't have those leaders in place to take advantage of the situation and the resources that they had and the talent that was in that room at the time. So now they're trying to fix that because you can't – you've seen it from – I mean, teams across the league have gone through it. You lose a bunch of veteran guys, you go this young route, and you don't have those leadership pieces, and it does not work. And they got leadership guys in free agency. That yes. I think, you know, free agency and, – and to me, the reason why Jacksonville is not built to win now is look at what they did in free agency. They didn't sign home run guys. They didn't go get Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry. They didn't go out and get these huge, expensive – you know, free agency guys because they knew they weren't going to win. Now they were going to they were going to plot along this year, win a few games. But this is a this is a reshaping of the franchise year. This is not a built to win now. I know there were expectations and excitement that everything created in the offseason. But if you look at what they did in the offseason, they weren't giving out these massive free agency deals to guys that you're thinking, hey, let's win now with with. I mean, they weren't going after the the top guy at every position, even with all that cap space. They knew it was going to be a uh, a multi year rebuild project. So yeah. now, if we're still sitting here next year and saying the same thing, that's different. But I think this year was a completely remaking of the franchise year. Um, you know, what's just saying to to break and to, to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. And um, I think this year is is the painful year, the cutting of guys, the trading of guys, uh, very similar to the the roster purge that went on. That uh, after that AFC Championship game year, and um, when Jacksonville underachieved uh, the following year in 2018, 
it just it had the the makings of okay we've got to reset the the organization we've got to reset the direction of the franchise and that included a lot of uh, painful decisions and and fans were upset of of guys being cut and traded Calais and um, I mean just so many guys out the door and I think this is uh, in sense exactly what we're seeing now and you know C.J. Henderson a result of of Meyer and Balky resetting the uh, direction of the franchise. Here's my way too early ex- expectation for next offseason because the Jaguars have a ton of cap space. I think they're, they lead the league in cap space for next offseason. Uh, the, the defense was reshaped going into this year. They'll add some pieces there. I think there's very few players, uh, core players on that defense that they'll lose. I mean, Jihad Ward, Damian Wilson, but the, the foundation of the defense seems to be in place moving forward. The offense is going to get reshaped next offseason around Trevor Lawrence. Um, you're, I mean, look at just the offensive line. Cam Robinson's on a one-year deal. A.J. Cann's probably out of the door. Andrew Norwell probably out of the door. Uh, so you're talking about bringing back Linder, probably Walker Little, Jawan Taylor. So two new starters. I mean, well, it'll be three new starters, but two new faces on that offensive line more than likely. And you've got the, to spend. I mean, you've got to spend, spend at that position. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the biggest regrets, I think, in the offseason, which they didn't address, offensive line and tight end. Yes. And, and it's the, showing now. Those it's will be things now. that they'll, they will address. I think the offensive line will be rebuilt before next year. Uh, DJ Chark is a guy that a lot of us expected to, to have huge numbers and going to be competing for a big contract. Well, he hasn't, and more than likely, he's going to still want some sort of substantial payday that I don't see Urban Meyer and company giving him. So he'll probably be playing somewhere else. Yeah, he's, he's uh, uh, right now he's a second tier receiver. Right. And I mean, Marvin Jones has outplayed him. Marvin's got a, a contract that's going to keep him here next year, and yep. he's justified that so far. He's looked good. He's Trevor's number one guy. Um, but, I mean, the receivers could be completely remade next they'll, year they'll, outside of Marvin Jones. You'll so, be t- looking at Marvin Jones, LaVishka Chenault, and a new face. Uh, where, how do they get that new face? That's the question. Hopefully they can get a 1A kind of guy and then let Marvin Jones slide into your 1B and Chenault can be your third fiddle of sorts there, um, obviously with whatever they want to do with Travis Etienne as well in that receiver room. Uh, and then, obviously, tight end uh, – you know, nobody knows what's going to happen no, there. I, I don't think Dan Dan Arnold. Let me let me as a guy that's watched Dan Arnold since his rookie year, um, when he came into the NFL as an undrafted wide receiver, made the switch to tight end. He is a phenomenal. He is a solid receiving threat, but he's not a guy that's he's not Travis Kelsey. He's not Zach Ertz. He's not a a solid blocker, but he is a receiving threat. He can vertically stretch the seam and he'll make some plays for you. But uh, he's he's he. Him and James O'Shaughnessy will have to compete to see who's the best receiving threat on the on the roster. With O'Shaughnessy hurt, Dan Arnold is hands down the best receiving threat at tight end on the yeah, roster. And who would have thought James O'Shaughnessy <laughs> would hold the key to all these cards moving? Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's the best receiving threat by far on this team. I mean, at that position on the team, and with his injury, I mean, they've had the dominoes have fallen. Yeah, I think this this coaching staff thought and with the investments that they put into player performance and things that they just thought okay well maybe this guy can stay healthy well injuries have been his problem throughout his career um, and they raised their ugly head again so now he's out and they realized oh no we don't have anybody behind him who can play his role and they tried to do it with Hollister I mean Hollister had been here missed the first couple of games because they just weren't like oh, he's not ready so he was inactive and then boom put him in uh, and I, obviously he, he, I mean, 
the the interception play is the one that a lot of fans are looking at. But I mean, he got hit hard. Yes. I mean, Trevor's got to put that ball in a better position. If he leads him, it's a touchdown. He put it in a place where Hollister got. I mean, that was a hospital ball at that point. <laughs> Um, so you know, I I put some blame on Hollister, but that the 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 large portion of that blame goes to Trevor as well. Um, so there are things that you have to do to improve. They're going to improve the offense. I can guarantee you that this year. Fans would have revolted if you know they would have said we're moving on from DJ Chark. Fans would have been absolutely livid um, if you move on from Andrew Norwell and AJ Can. You got dead money on the caps. The books are good right now. They didn't give out any bad bad contracts. The future is still bright. It's just going to be a a, it's a, it's a process. A, it's a cleanup year, yes. and you know, despite all that we see in high school, we see in college. The offseason is the best time. The offseason is a great time for fans. The hope is up. It's yep. excitement. It's you know the optimism in the air. <laughs> and once the games start, reality comes. And the reality is Jacksonville is a 1-15 team from last year. They lost 15 games in a row. No matter Trevor Lawrence coming in, I know it was smoke and mirrors a lot of time. The offseason breeds a lot of false hope and optimism. And we're seeing that now. There are a lot of holes on this team that are not addressed in one offseason with the Jaguars, regardless of Urban Meyer, regardless of Trent Baalke, Trevor Lawrence, whatever. This is still a roster that needs a lot of help, and it's not coming until next year. Yeah, and the, the other big change that's probably coming this week is that at the time of recording has not yet happened, a kicker. Uh, Josh Lambeau, it's one thing when you're missing field goals. When you start missing extra points, uh, it's tough. Uh, Urban Meyer's talked about how hard Josh Lambeau works. and I mean, I was in the press box. I think I got to the game around 1030. Uh, obviously kickoff at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Josh Lambeau was on the field when I got there, and he was on the field until everyone came out for kickoff. And he was and, kicking the entire time. I've never seen him. And that's good. That. That's he, I mean, it, whatever Urban said about him being a hard worker and a professional, great. that's working. great. But, it's again, it's a results business. Yeah. And you see the, the person, you relate, you can feel bad for them and the struggles and everything else. But when you're missing PATs, I mean, you're going to have a locker room revolt yeah. as as good as that Jamal Agnew kick return was, as good as a James Robinson drive in the third quarter was when he just carried the team down the field and got in there. And you back you book you book in those with Josh Lambeau missed PATs, and I'm not a kicker by any stretch of the imagination, but that's something that's pretty routine. Mm-hmm. I know PATs are, um, you know, since they moved them back, are more difficult to make, and the percentages on make, making those have gone down. But you're a professional kicker. You have got to make those kicks. And I just don't see how Urban Meyer, regardless of, of what he says about Josh Lambeau's work ethic, can defend an 0-for-3 start in field goals and, and, and missing two PATs yesterday. It's just almost indefensible at this point if you continue no, to send Josh Samuel out it, there. It's over. The only thing that might save him this week is that it's a short week. I think it's I think it's over. At the time of recording this, they are trying out kickers as we speak. Um, Urban said after the game that uh, they almost have to make a move now. Um, you know, you feel bad for Josh Lambeau, but it's time. There will be a new guy kicking. Um, we'll see if Lambo ends up landing on injury reserve if there's some sort of injury there that maybe we don't know about. Uh, but I think it's a, a, some sort of mental thing. I think he's got the yips, basically, um, and he just can't get it through the uprights when it counts. I mean, during, during warm-ups, he nails them. During practice, he was nailing them. But this season, during the games, when they matter, it, it ain't there. It's not working. Um, so... With that said, uh, I guess we can look back at the the game that was almost it. Uh, you know, it, it's really tough for me to quantify that game against the Cardinals. Uh, 
when we talked about it, it, the preview last week, expectations were a little low. The defense showed up. Wow, what a performance I mean, by the defense. What I, a performance. I mean, Kyler Murray, I mean, you, hold, you give him points. The thing with the Jacksonville defense, if you look statistically, I mean, Kyler Murray had a great day on paper. Yes. I mean, the efficiency of his passes, I mean, he, he had missed two passes up until halftime. It was just a great performance by the defense to not let those stats turn into numbers. And, um, yes, they've given up a ton of ton of yardage and, and numbers to quarterbacks this season. But the last two games, they've kind of kept those teams in front of them and not allowed those touchdowns, You know, which is a good showing by the defense. They've improved incrementally every game under Joe Cullen, and I like the production of defense. I think yesterday it got away from them. Um, after, it seems like after that Lambeau missed PAT, things just kind of spiraled. And, you know, 21 straight points by the Cardinals, just unbelievable. But I think a lot of that was just, um, you know, a momentum swing, and I don't fault the defense for yesterday's effort. I mean, it was a pick six by Trevor. Um, and But I think overall, if you're talking – what the defense did yesterday, another step in the performance there of that improvement. Yeah, my hat's off to Joe Cullen and the defensive guys. I mean, they got their first turnover. They gave the Jaguars an opportunity to win that game. They played at a high level. Um, incredible uh, uh, effort there. Shaq said that was his first game of his entire career traveling with a receiver. Uh, so he followed DeAndre Hopkins the entire game. Good job there because Hopkins was pretty quiet. Um Good job on the defense. Hats off to the special teams unit. I mean, a 109-yard kick six by Jamal Agnew. Man, uh, I, I, I typed on Twitter last week, still waiting to see a return on the investment from Jamal Agnew. Wow. And about 15 minutes after that, boom, <laughs> Jamal Agnew touchdown, 102 yards. First kick return for a touchdown since 2016. And then to do it in back-to-back weeks, I mean, unbelievable. There's only 110 yards in the end zone. And he got it 109 yards and took it all the way back. Just amazing effort there. Yeah, uh, hats off to Jamal Agnew. I mean, that was an incredible play. Um, it set him up uh, to do uh, to, to put them in a position. Uh, you know, Urban Meyer talked all last week. He talked to the media. He talked to the team about them needing that spark. Well, that was the spark. It felt like the moment that they were looking for. I mean, it ignited the team. It ignited the stadium. They were playing against a tough opponent. At home, they had him on the ropes at halftime, heading into the locker room. That felt like the spark that could start everything. I mean, they had talked about it. It just takes that one moment, and everything felt like it was going to start going right. Well, uh, hats off was to the defense. The defense special teams did their job, but you got to win three phases. The offense didn't didn't win that third phase. I mean, you come out of the locker room, and it's – uh, a flea fi- a flea flicker after you go down with James Robinson down the whirly bird the the whirly bird uh Juwan, on that play Andrew Norwell um said that he uh well Andrew Norwell got spun around and today John Jawan Taylor said that that was designed he called it a whirly bird uh Leon Cersei was in on the radio saying that he'd never heard of a whirly bird never heard so, of a whirly bird I mean uh, maybe Sesame Street but yeah, I've never right. heard of a whirly bird if you look at that play it it was just unbelievable that they would do a whirly bird on such a precise play. I mean, you've got a on a flea flicker. You, I mean, it just makes no sense why you would have a whirly bird type of pirouette play on a flea flicker pass that requires such intricacy to make it work. I mean, it just seemed like the wrong time to run that 
that Whirly Bird kind of play, if that even existed. And Jawan Taylor's not saying that to help uh, Andrew Norwell save face. Yeah, so that that's definitely the moment that that for me turned the tides of that game, and, and feels like it changed everything, and it, it and amounted to a very disappointing loss. Um, so the team falls to 0-3. They have a quick turnaround. We'll do another episode to uh, kind of preview what what the, uh, what we expect going into that Cincinnati game. Just wanted to kind of give some quick reactions to uh, uh, what is a very disappointing Sunday and a very um, a very unexpected Monday. How about that? Very <laughs> unexpected Monday. All right. Well, appreciate you tuning in. We'll have another episode coming your way on Thursday with a preview of the Cincinnati Bengals game for Thursday Night Football.